Andy is somebody who is a sort of missions specialist in many ways. And so in our church plant, one of the first things the four elders did together was read his little book together and then discuss it in one of our elder meetings. The second thing we did was have lunch with Andy and say, help us think further. This is what we're thinking. What do you think? And did a little consulting with Andy as a, just as a fact that we already had a relationship with and proximity. Um, I, I'm not saying he can do that for everybody's church, I don't think. <laughs> but I have a church uh, no, to he pastor. Can, he cannot. No, he cannot. <laughs> but you should be finding people to help you and your fellow pastors and elders think about those kinds of things. And uh, I just want to commend his thinking in all of that. And then the third thing we did was then sitting down and having that conversation that I told you about earlier. Anyhow, so that's, that's my experience with this brother, one of my experiences with this brother, and, and uh, just commend him to you. I'm going I'm to risk guys sort of jerking the car around here just, just like that and, and going back to where we began or ended the last conversation. And brothers, if you could put that thing on the board yeah, that I asked about. Uh, Andy, you wrote an article for Nine Marks and Numbers of years ago that I just thought was super helpful and practical, and that's what I want you to review with us. Kind of, who do we support? People come to you as a pastor and say, hey, pastor, I, I want to go to Turkey. Hey, pastor, I want to do this. And you're like, ah, uh, should I support you? Should I not? How much? And Andy came up with kind of four tiers of support that Capitol Hill Baptist does with people in their, uh, that congregation uh, to help answer those kinds of questions, which in some ways helps fill out the ecclesial vision that John was talking about. Because what you're going to see is, is these tiers of support depend to some extent on their involvement. Can you walk us through, Andy, just those four tiers of support? And I don't know if you can read it up there, but this is the first one, CHBC Teams. Yeah, so I mean, I called them tiers, but I think maybe a better thing would be like, if you think of like concentric circles, like the first group is going to be what's closest to the life of our church. So, you know, if we're able to send out a whole group of people, we've tried to do this before with the IMB, you know, sometimes it's not always all people from our church, maybe somebody else from another church that we know and have a relationship with, they'll send them. But, but whatever the case is, where we're providing, we're not just having a member of the church come and say, hey, you know, I'm really really interested in going to X country, but where maybe our church already has an investment and relationship, and we're able to gather up multiple members of our church and be able to send them together to a particular place. We understand that sort of entails the most significant church relationship as far as the stuff that's listed there. I mean, you do different things, but basically, you know, support, the way we're going to pray for them, the way that we're going to be encouraging other members to join them, uh, the way we're going to continue to hold on to them and hold responsibility for them. That'd be Vis the visiting them? That'd be the first thing. Yeah. Okay, that's tier one. Tier two, CHBC, your church, workers. Yeah, so this would be, this would be individuals from our church that we're sending out. Maybe they're going to join some other group that's mixed with other members of, you know, folks from other churches or some other work, but there's someone that our church, we've had the time to actually assess, invest in. They've gone to your reading group. Them. Yeah, they've maybe done that. And we've, we've sort of prepared them and that, that we're going to continue to have, you know, all these other things, except we might not continue to recruit other people to join them because, uh, you know, they might be with a team that we, we like, but we don't have a big relationship with. 
but this is someone we have confidence in. So we're yeah. going to... Again, they're involving the church. Yep, and the elders More have support. been involved in their decision-making process. And then this third mm-hmm. one, independent workers. Yeah, so this is, this is workers who um, are going to kind of do their own thing in a sense, but we think they're faithful, you know, because honestly, this is where the, the first two ones are like so easy. This is intuitive. This is what we do as pastors. We're excited about this stuff. This is where it gets hard as a pastor. You're like, well, you know, I wish this person wanted to go somewhere that we're invested as a church. Because when you send people out from your church, in one sense, I mean, it's not like somebody in an old-fashioned diving suit, you know, with an oxygen tank, but they're sort of dragging your church with them in a good way. But, but a church can't go everywhere. You know, we're not that big a church. You know, I think in humility, we have to sort of focus. So we've had to say, okay, there, there are going to be some people that we think you're qualified you know, maybe because of your past and you grew up in this country, you already speak the language, you know, we're fine with you going, we want to encourage you, but we don't feel as a church, we can take ownership of what you're doing in a long-term continued way. And we want to be upfront and clear with them about that. So you're going to send emails, you might Skype, you're necessarily going to visit. Maybe yeah. occasional financial gifts, but it's not an ongoing thing. So it's just, you're, you're kind yeah, of downgrading. And, and particularly if you look at like that, the fourth point where it says prayer support listed in the directory only. Well, it means we're going to tell our members, hey, this is somebody that, that, you know, was a member of our church. We care about them, but we're not, we're not owning them long term. And then fourth and finally, the very pastorally sensitive <laughs> yeah, title. Pastorly language. This is not what I really tell people, but, you know, this is the it's not a sin category. And you have to deal with this as pastors too. You know, you have members that want to go do stuff and you counsel them against it, but they're not sinning. It's not a sin to want to go to Turkey and preach the gospel to Muslims. You just may in pastoral wisdom, kind of in the hard conversation realm that Mark talked about. Keep going, keep going. I'm trying to work with the Holy Spirit not to say something. Okay, there we go. there we are. Uh, <laughs> Mark knows exactly what I'm experiencing. Uh, these are the people that, yeah, it's not a sin for you to go. We're not encouraging you to go. You don't think it's wise. This is, this is hard to deal with as a pastor because, you know, you don't want to encourage them to do it, but you're not going to excommunicate them from your church. Though, though you have lost members of the church over this. Oh, yes. I, I have made men cry over this, you know, where... You tell them, because this is, this is really hard. You know, I've, there's, a, there's often people at our church that are godly, they're faithful. There's sometimes people you'd be really happy if they just got a job in Dubai and went and joined John's church. We're like, that would be a great use of your time. We would love for you to do that. But do I want to set aside seventy dollars to $100,000 to fully fund you to go be a missionary church planter? Well, I don't think so. I, you know... You're my brother in Christ. I love you. I'm going to see you in heaven. You have all these gifts, but I just don't see that. And you'll have members of your church that they latch onto the idea of missions, and anything less than that is you not loving them. And so you're going to have to have well, wisdom. Or you not being obedient to the Lord. Yeah. God told me to go do this. Well, Who are you say, to say no? Have you guys had people say, God told me this? How do you yes. respond to that? Who are you to say no to God? No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> God told me, no, he didn't. <laughs> okay. Andy, are these all long-termers? 
all these folks? Yeah, this is all long-term stuff. Uh, do you do anything, I, I suspect for many of these churches, for, for, for us, for example, we're going to start short-term trips, one week, two weeks. Do you do anything to vet your folks that you send in short-term? We do in a way. We kind of have two short-term trips. We have like specialized trips where you know, workers that we have a relationship with will contact us and say, hey, I need someone to do this specific task or come teach this class or do this thing. And those things, yeah, we vet people in the sense that we pick someone we think is especially mature, they have specialized skills or something like that. But we do try to have multiple opportunities, not that many, but usually two or three or four opportunities each year that workers that we have relationships with have said, hey, we just need some people to come do this. And we want those to be things that pretty much any member in good standing could okay. do. So it starts from the field. Mm -hmm. F folks you work with who ask for help. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's really so helpful. I, I I've seen too many short-term teams make a bigger mess than long-term people do. Yeah. And so learning how to vet those would be important. Well, that, that's why, as, you know, we're not a huge church, but often when I talk with other guys that are sort of involved in missions, they're surprised how few of our members go on short-term trips mm -hmm. each year. And the reason, it's not because we don't think short-term trips can be useful, and it's not because our members don't care about missions, it's because we only send short-term teams when long-term people that we have relationships with ask us to send them. And then we, then we even then, we're like, are you sure? Are you sure this isn't gonna just be more trouble than it's worth? I mean, we want them to really want our people to come out there. And I found that when we started doing that, our number of short-term trips began to go down because a lot of ours were probably more trouble than they were worth. I do want to come back to short term at some point and think about that. Probably not in this panel. Um, should all missionaries, long term ones, be elder First Timothy three qualified? Do you want to go around? Do you want just some of Well, one or two of you. What, Chuck's got the mic. Go. What, what do you do with the females then? I'll come to that in a second. Okay. Aside from that right. one question. All right. Oh, that half of humanity. <laughs> that half, yeah. That's, <laughs> that Jesus died for. We'll just. Well, aside from that one consideration, look at the rest of 1 Timothy 3 and all the qualifications there. Would you send a long-term missionary who wasn't something on that list? Yes. Example. Uh, 20. Five year old, a 22-year-old college guy who goes to spend a couple of years working with a missionary team to go out and spend his evenings evangelizing Muslims in tea gardens, which I think is a great thing for him to do. Doesn't need to be elder qualified, needs to know the gospel, be stable, love Jesus. But we, I think we'd say any missionary team needs to have, if they're a church planting team, they need someone at least one person on their team that's elder qualified, probably more. But let, let, let me push you on that a bit. What if he's intemperate? Well, or has, a, or has if a, you, can, you can go for the ordinariness of elder qualifications uh -huh. and make it apply to everybody. Well, that, well, that's kind of what I'm wondering. I mean, what on that list would you say he doesn't have to be? I think he needs to, he needs to exemplify those things on the list in the same way every faithful member in good standing in your church should exemplify those things. Just another example would be Mandy in India. So there's, there's a person who's not gone as the pastor, but she is doing evangelism, discipling work. But I would say she meets that list. I don't know her that well, but... Well, if you do that, the, the danger of doing that is you begin to sort of, either you sort of 
dumb down what you mean by elder qualified for missionaries so that basically anybody who's a member of your church that you're not really secretly hoping will leave or you're planning to kick out can go be a missionary. You know, you don't want that. And what, ca- what category is that, huh? Uh, never mind. But what I think you do want is I think if a team is planning to gather and plant churches, you need someone that, you know, is not sort of like, how low can you go? But you need somebody that has the qualifications that even if they haven't served as an elder, there's somebody that you could see them being an elder in a church. I think yeah. that's needed. Andy, I don't think you took your editing pill this afternoon. My what pill? Your editing pill. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, I don't know that I would, if I was sending someone to help with logistics, uh, I don't know that I would require that that person be apt to teach, uh, which, which is clearly a requirement for an elder. Sure, sure. Uh, and so I think there's, there's some room there to have some discussions. Yeah, I was going to say a similar thing. I, it seems like you're asking about every individual person who goes, and our answers are really sort of thinking of teams and, and roles in teams. And, and I think the, the answer is, well, it depends on, on what role is being played, right? Uh, so certainly folks who are, are closer, you get to the leadership of that team uh, and the, the sort of core work of trying to see a church established, the stronger I want to be on First Timothy 3 and the qualifications there. The further you get away from those sort of core leadership roles, support, so on, the more I'm thinking of member in good standing um, who isn't disqualified, right, um, per those things on the list. Um, but And maybe who's not going to be a problem pastorally. That's exactly yeah. right. So I'm, I'm thinking Paul goes into Acts 16. Paul goes into a town. There's a young fellow there named Timothy who has a good reputation with the church in Iconium and Lystra. Um, but he's a young man, right? Uh, he's, he's not necessarily ready to be an elder right then. But Paul looks at him and thinks, oh, this guy's actually going to be useful for the ministry yeah. and travels with Paul. I, that, I want that category. I think the other thing I'm trying to draw out a little bit is problem pastorally. And just there does seem to be some need for a moral evaluation. Maybe a guy struggles with porn. Again, maybe he struggles with, with, with anger. Um, and just how you give any consideration to those kinds of things? Seems like you would, true? Yeah, I think you do have to look at those things, particularly because cross-cultural living only magnifies the issues. Uh, Sometimes we're sending people overseas where if we think sin is blatant here, uh, the temptations are just in your face elsewhere. And we're setting them up for defeat if we're not careful. And so I think asking those questions is right on target. Whether or not they all live up to everything that we see in 1 Timothy 3 for every role, I don't know that we're always there yet. So so I I think we're not, I mean, Andy, your talk was so helpful on this. Um, We we don't want to fall back into, well, if they want to go, let's just send them. Anybody who will go, let's just send them, right? And, and we don't, on the other extreme, want to sort of develop a sort of super Christian rubric, right? So missions is done by regular Christians, yeah. you know, largely. Uh, and we want to have a category for that, for, yeah. for folks who are regular, but in the sense that they're healthy and mature enough to be able to invest in others and to encourage and care for others. Again, a point you made, I think, on an earlier panel. If, if they're not the type of people who are already investing in other people, Right? Yeah. They're probably not the type of folks we want to send. Any special kinds of considerations you're giving to single women? 
kind of questions they're asking that would be would be distinct there. Well, it's certainly a kindness to them to help them think through very carefully where they're going, what team are they going to be a part of, what church are they going to be a part of. Is there any reason culturally that they're particularly needed? Because maybe the culture is very divided by gender and really the men just can't get at the women, you know, in any way to tell them the gospel or build relationships. So maybe they're particularly needed in this area. On the other hand, perhaps there are areas that are socially more challenging that are going to be really rough for them. So it's just, I think it'd be just part of general pastoral care, like you would talk to uh, a man in the church or a woman, just trying to help them think through, given who they are, what they're looking to do, what's this place going to be like? Yeah. John, from your perspective overseas, the general quality of American missionaries, are you encouraged, discouraged? Are we doing a good job of who we're sending? This conversation that we're having is not even a consideration in so many cases of people who have been sent overseas. Sadly, there are people out there, many of whom consider themselves to be church planters, but I don't think anyone has done serious evaluation of whether they're actually qualified biblically according to 1 Timothy 3 or Titus, Titus 1. Many of them are biblically qualified and are doing exceptional work. But so, I, have, I have run into some for whom this conversation would be just a foreign thing. Right. So you appreciate my question. Absolutely. Like, yeah. I wanted to underline the seriousness of it. Yeah, and I want to jump in that, you know, I, I'm not saying, when I was pushing back on that qualification thing, I'm not saying, yeah, we should just send anybody. Well, I sound interesting. Um, but what I am saying is, you know, we don't want to have... We don't want to have just one standard because I think, like yeah. Mark was saying, there's very there's different things lots of people doing. can do. But I think, as someone who I served on the board of the International Mission Board, I know a lot of you are Southern Baptists, and there is a tendency for those of you who are not Southern Baptists for because the International Mission Board fully funds missionaries, there is a an ungodly bad you should fight against it, stop doing this temptation for pastors to think, oh well, it's not costing us anything. So this person's willing, so we might as well send them. When I'm pretty sure that pastor would never take ten or fifteen or fifty thousand dollars of their church's money and put it behind sending this person overseas. So I think it's a good question to ask, you know, is is this somebody we would want to actually invest money that people gave to Jesus to send them to do this work? So I think that sort of ups the ante on, you know, they don't have to be super mature, they don't have to be elder qualified in one sense, but they need to be a mature Christian who's regularly sharing their faith, discipling other people, you know, known to be stable. So, so I don't want it to sound like we're saying we should lower our standards. I yeah. just think we should have a very broad standard depending on what the task case is by case. they're being asked to Good. do. Along these lines, I appreciated Andy's bait and switch strategy with the, uh, the reading group, the missionary reading group. What's he devoting the first several months to? Authority of Scripture. What is the gospel? What is the church? If you're going to send somebody overseas to plant churches or to do groundbreaking, pioneering missions work, you, you want people to be solidly grounded in those areas, to have thought carefully about what is the church, what is the end, the end goal to, to the work that I'm being sent to do. So even if they're not able to teach in a, from a pulpit sense, I want to make sure these people are solid on doctrine. Yeah. And could defend it. And required. 